teammates. Welcome to Season 2 of the Journeys Through Leadership Podcast. I am your host, Chief Master Sergeant Denny Richardson, New York State Command Chief. Season 1 showed that the New York Air National Guard has diverse mission sets, managed and led by talented and unselfish professionals. Let's continue to explore their journeys. Leadership is a journey. It has no end, but it starts somewhere. It's time, are you ready, to journey through leadership? Hello again, teammates, and welcome to episode two of season two of the JTL podcast. I'm your host, Chief Master Sergeant Denny Richardson, New York State Command Chief. In this episode, I'm extremely happy about being joined by a member from the Eastern Air Defense Sector, the 224th in Rome, New York. Please join me in welcoming Senior Airman Hannah Streeter. Welcome, Airman Streeter, and thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Chief. I'm really happy to be here. Yes, ma'am. Are you ready to, to get started and have some fun? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. All right. So uh, let's uh, let's get to know you um, a little bit better. So uh, remove the rank. Who is Hannah Streeter? So I'm married. I've got two kids under the age of two. Under the age of two. Well, to be specific, 15 months apart. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. That's so very young kid. I don't know how you have time to do this podcast. Me either, sir. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm born and raised New York. I've, I've been a little bit of everywhere. I lived in Colorado at one point, um, but I've spent most of my years here in New York. I went active duty. That was the longest I've spent away from upstate New York. I was mm-hmm. in Dayton, Ohio at Wright-Patterson. Came back. Um, here I am. I My hobbies, interests, I... <laughs> They're on hold a little bit with the kids, but I love to cook when I have time to cook. I like to decorate, interior design, stuff like that. So, Oh, wow. Wow, thank you for sharing that. So uh, what are the names of your kids? Phoebe, she's my oldest, and Ace. Wow, Phoebe and Ace. Inspiration behind the names? Yeah, well, Phoebe, <laughs> at first I, I didn't like that name at all. It mm-hmm. took me months my husband just kept harping it on me. So finally, I grew to love it. I don't know if that's just because I heard it so many times. Um, and Ace actually is really important to me. My great grandpa, his name is Tom, and he never would know anybody's name. So he would call everyone Ace. And in return, everyone has always called him Ace. So it was really his nickname. So we named our son Ace. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, when I when I hear Tom and I hear Ace, yeah. I immediately go to Top Gun. Yep, <laughs> I get a lot. <laughs> oh man, outstanding! Well, thank you for sharing that. I greatly appreciate it, and um, I definitely thank you to uh, your husband and your two kids for allowing you the time and the opportunity to be here today. Of course, good stuff. So, all right, so uh, let's talk about uh, your career path and uh, what made you to decide to join the Air Force or the Air National Guard. Well, first off, actually, the grandpa, I was just speaking of my great grandpa, Tom, he's still alive. He's 100 years old. Wow. He's 100 years old. And he survived and served Pearl Harbor in the Navy. Wow. So, I, you know, my whole life, I've, I've known that and he's told stories. So I've just grown up with that, that pride. Um, and then to carry on, my, my other grandpa, Larry is his name. He graduated from the Air Force Academy. And retired young as a lieutenant colonel. Wow. So I've just, I've always, it's been around me. And I've, I've always just really had such a strong desire to serve my country. Mm. In any way that I could. There was no like career path that I was after, mm-hmm. but. Wow. 
Um, that's a that's a remarkable story to have uh, that much uh, history and heritage in your in your family. So, um, so yeah, I can see why uh, you chose the path of the military. Uh, you know, having a, a grandfather that actually survived uh, Pearl Harbor. Yeah, uh, he's he's big deal. That is a big deal. So you know, and uh, God bless him. hundred years old. Hundred. Wow. In October, he turned hundred. Oh my gosh. So he's yeah, he's just still kicking. I I, mean, I always joke he's got like nine lives. He's just <laughs> he's gonna live forever. Mark my words. Man. And he's probably sharp as a whip too, and he's probably still talking about his, you know, Pearl Harbor days, and you know, it's probably very vivid in his mind. It is. Yeah. It is. It took a while for him to talk about it. I didn't ever hear stories, but recently, yeah, he's he's definitely opened up a lot a lot about it. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to take this opportunity and take this time uh, to uh, say thank you uh, to both your grandfathers uh, for their service uh, to our nation and to our country, um, and we we stand on their shoulders. Um, and we we hope to uh, to to continue, uh, you know, um, their legacy and, and live on their legacy of uh, serving um, in uniform. So, so thank you uh, to to your two grandfathers. I'm sure they appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Chief. No problem. So, so let's talk a little bit about your current career field. I'm um, serving here at the Eastern Air Defense Sector, um, and why that career field is so important. So I'm a little newer to the Eastern Air Defense Sector. Um, I work in logistics as a supply custodian. Um, we were supplying everyone here with clothing, equipment. We even were reach out to the detachments down in DC. We support them as well. Um, like I said, anything from clothing, even COVID stuff. So we're all just, we're one part of that big well-oiled machine here at AIDS. Very nice. And so the um, if you don't have equipment, we can't do our job. Uh, members cannot go out and um, and provide, you know, support. Uh, if you talk about state active duty uh, with COVID response or uh, the bigger picture in the in defense of our nation. You know, so uh, being a part of logistics is extremely important. Uh, so. With some of the challenges I'm going to throw a softball out there at you. So some of the challenges with logistics right now, um, you know, would you say what would be like one of your biggest obstacles? Um, the shortage of supplies, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, even right now, it's just one small example. At the top of my head is blues. Everyone needs blues, but blues are they're hard to come by right now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are waiting and even promotion ceremonies might be getting delayed because they don't have blues. Members don't have blues. Mm -hmm. All right. We need more money. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Outstanding. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Uh, so um, how long have you been serving? I'm coming up in April will be seven years. Seven years. Yes. Wow. So very young career. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could uh, point out one of your biggest achievements thus far in your very young career, I'm sure when you come back and we do another episode of you on the podcast, and let's say in three years, you'll probably have even more achievements. Uh, but for now, what would you say has been your biggest achievement? I, I reflected on this one. Back active duty, I, I wasn't logistics. I don't know if I shared that with you. I was in the medical field. Mm -hmm. uh, histopathology was my job. So I achieved my, my national certification in that job. And I honestly found my passion doing that. So I would say that's probably my biggest thing is I came in, went to basic training with no job assigned, actually got really lucky, put into the histopathology career field, 
just by chance and fell in love with it and gained that certification. So now I'll have that for life and that's what I'll do. Wow. Civilian side. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's outstanding. So um, I, I can't even pronounce what you just said. I know. What was it? Hit, hitho? Histopathology. Histopathology. <laughs> it's, oh. a, it's a non one. It's a small career field. Very a, small. Yeah. So, so what is that? What does that entail? So it's, it's a, you know, it's a smaller portion of anatomic pathology might be more of a familiar. Uh, we work with a pathologist to diagnose, diagnosing tissue. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's a lot deeper than that, but I will, I'll spare you. You'll spare. <laughs> it's the grime. It's the guts in the, um, yeah. If you've ever had like a biopsy removed, um, any, any surgery that's done, if there's any tissue that it comes out of it, it goes to the histopathology department mm. and we work on it. And the, so the doctor can read it on a slide eventually and diagnose. Okay. Thank you for making that much clearer for me. I don't, don't ask me to pronounce it again. <laughs> yes, not, sir. I will not be able to pronounce it, um, but at least I know if I hear it again, I know what it means. You know, thanks to Hannah Street. I appreciate it. <laughs> You're not the only one. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. So, um, so what do you like most um, about being in the military and um, how do you stay motivated to perform at a high level? I would say the endless opportunities is a big thing for me. I think I've especially seen that coming into the guard. Active duty is one thing where there's, you know, there's a lot of avenues you can take in your job. But in the guard, as far as I've seen so far, again, it's been under a year that I've been in the guard. Mm -hmm. But it just seems like, you know, there's a lot available for you if you want it. It's there. And there's people around you that are going to help you get it. So I love that about the military and the guard. And what keeps me motivated, I would say, is, of course, my kids and wanting to do well for my kids. But my grandpa, um, he always said, because he only served four years. And in his short four years, you know, he experienced so much. But he always says that he wishes he served longer. Hmm. He always says that is one of his biggest regrets in life at a hundred years old. He still regrets only serving that short amount of time. Oh, wow. So keep that in the back of my mind when I feel like quitting. All right. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. You're absolutely right about the guard, the guard, um, you know, there are an abundance of opportunities out there. Um, it's all about the member that, uh, you know, and what you're, you know, um, what you're able to, um, you know, do as far as moving around, because we have, um, throughout all the 54 states and territories, uh, we have 90 wings. Um, so it's a lot of opportunity out there. And, um, so, um, you know, and it depends on you, it depends on the member, you know, and how much you want to open up your aperture and uh, be comfortable with being uncomfortable, um, because you can get, um, a lot you know, out of uh, serving for the Air National Guard. So, yeah. So thank you for sharing that. Greatly appreciate it. All right. So, uh, now this is a question. Uh, that's near and dear to my heart. And um, and I'm sure all the leaders out there want to hear uh, what Hannah Streeter thinks as well. So uh, what do you expect uh, from your leaders? Okay, so honesty, I guess, in, in your performance. There are media leaders, right? Your supervisors and stuff. That's the only way you'll improve is if you're getting that honesty. Um, I think that when the opportunities become available, it kind of starts at a higher level and trickles down. So it's really important that our leaders are relaying that information mm. down to the lower members to open up those avenues that we don't might not know about. Um, 
but I, I just, I do think that it's give and take. If you can't expect everything from your leaders, like I, like I just said in the previous question, you have to go get it. And leaders who are willing to help, that's a big part of it as well. If you want it and they're there to help you, that's, that's how you're going to get it. Right. So. Well, outstanding. So, um, yeah, great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I'm actually reading or just finished reading a, um, a book. And I mean, as you're answering that question, it actually came to mind. Um, and the book is, is called, um, you know, um, how to be an awesome boss, uh, you know, and, uh, and the author, um, talks about, you know, the four C model of what it means to be, um, an awesome boss. And uh, you kind of hit on, you know, some of those, uh, four C's about, you know, your expectations and what leadership and what us as leaders owe, you know, our members. And in that book, his four C model, um, he says, in order for us to be an awesome boss and to give you uh, what you need, the first C starts with, uh, clarity. Um, that, you know, have to have that clarity and define that clarity, you know, for our members. Um, the um, and then the second C was all about being consistent, having that consistency. So once you define that clarity for your members, you have to be consistent you know, in your action. Um, the third C was a little bit surprising. Uh, the third C uh, was a celebration. But then he explained it in a way that, you know, celebration actually fits each and every organization, you know, celebration was all about uh, fun, um, but also about uh, measurements, measuring uh, your your success. And then uh, one that's big, you know, to the military is recognition. I think that's huge. Yes, recognition is huge, you know, because, you know, we, we want to keep our members. We want to retain our talented members. Um, and I don't care how many um, ex exit surveys I read. All of them had a common theme of not being recognized, you know, by the organization. So that celebration piece uh, was huge. Um, and then the last uh, C uh, that he talked about, and this is another one. You have to read the book. Um, it's a short read. And actually, um, I'll, I'll give you a copy of the book. Right. Um, that, you know, the last C was uh, charity. Okay. Um, and when we think about the word charity, you think about, oh, yeah, combined federal campaign. I'm going to go. Donate <laughs> yeah, to right. Charity. <laughs> Air Force. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but his charity charity was more about um, acting with charity you know, towards your member, um, you know, and acting with that compassion piece towards your members, you know, where you care enough about them to be honest with them and to tell them the truth. Yes, absolutely. So um, so I just want to share that with you. Uh yeah, so I'll definitely make sure that you get a copy of uh, one of those, uh, one of the books. Um, but it's, um, you know, he speaks the truth and he speaks to um, some of what you were just saying and uh, the answering of that question. So, awesome. All right, cool. Thank you for that. Greatly appreciate it. So, so uh, the leaders, you've heard it. Um, so she's looking for honesty. She's looking for clarity. That's what we owe Hannah Street and the rest of her peers. <laughs> so, all right. So. Uh, what's next for uh, Hannah Street or what does the future hold or uh, what would you like to accomplish? So right now, um, well, let's talk about supply, I guess. I'm going, I haven't even gotten to the technical training really? yet, actually. And where's the tech school at? So in Texas, Texas at Lackland. So back to basic training I go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm hooked up to go April, mid-April till the end of May. It's about six weeks. So I'll finally get that done. And I'll come back and hopefully put on staff. Um, and then that'll probably be near the end of my 
because I'm, I'm DSG actually, but I've been here on temporary orders for quite some time. They've really had my back, the guard. That's another thing, you know, they've had my back where my civilian job has fallen through in a few ways. So I've been here on orders, but once I come back, that'll be about the same time as the semester ends. Cause I'm in a few classes that I need to get back into the lab into the histopathology world. Gotcha. So the semester ends and the technical school ends kind of all at once. And then a whole new chapter will start for me. All right. And so what's that next chapter? Working in the civilian world, which, oh my gosh, I haven't done since I was like 18, Mm. really. So I thought I was going to do that fresh rate when I left Ohio. But I've, like I said, with those credits and stuff that New York, New York is money hungry. If you've got a job (laughs) like that, they want you to have your specific New York. (laughs) I told you about my national cert earlier. Well, New York wants their own. <laughs> so that's what I'm working on. Outstanding. Uh, so you uh, you throw an acronym out there. Uh, so DSG. Oh. Drill status guard. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. Because I have some civilian listeners out there. That's you know, true. So, um, yeah. so DSG uh, stands for drill status guardsman. Yes. Uh, that, that means that, that Hannah is actually a part-time, uh, you know, uh, uh, air guardsman. And she has a full time job. She will have a full time job on the outside. She had one. Um, but because of the events that's going on outside, it's it was great to have the guard to uh, yes. to fall back on. You know, so. Um, and yes. And um, but we're happy to have you. And I'm sure they're happy to have you here at Rome, New York as well. So, right. Um, happy to be here. Yes. So, um, so would you stay enlisted or do you you think you would ever take the officer route? I've thought about it. I've thought about it a lot. Um, so my, when my semester ends, it'll just be my associate's degree. So I would have to go back and do more college work. So with young kids right now, you know, I have to, I've, I've got to measure how that would work, but it's, it's always in, the, in my mind. Maybe one day I'm, I'm not going to put a time label on it, but it's a possibility. All right. It's a possibility. So I tell you what, if it's not an officer, um, I think you're definitely destined to be in that senior NCO rank and be a, a chief, you know, as, it's a dream. As, as an enlisted member. So, you know, you're coming for my job. No, sir. <laughs> I would never. <laughs> I have to check up for weapons in here. Because, <laughs> Watch out. I still got a few more years in this position. So <laughs> I've got more than a few years until I. <laughs> Oh, man. Good stuff. Well, thank you for that. I uh, greatly appreciate it. So uh, how you doing? Having fun? I'm having a lot of fun. All right. Good stuff. So, so uh, what advice uh, would you give to a younger member looking to follow in your footsteps? Now, I know you're young yourself right. and uh, you served for seven years, you know, but, you know, um, you've you've also served on active duty. You've been a drill status guardsman. You've been out um, on temp tours, you know, so I think you have a a lot of experience um, that you can provide advice to younger members. Right. I think that is where it's a little different with me, where I don't think you'll really run into a lot of senior airmen who've served almost seven years in the Guard. It just doesn't really happen as far as I've seen. Again, I'm younger in the Guard as well, but active duty, you have to test for that rank. Mm -hmm. So I think if um, you got, you have to know where you want to be and know early. And I've heard that a lot, even from senior ranking who've, you know, they're up there now and they're where they want to be now, but they didn't start until later. So starting early and having those dreams early 
Like if I were to, you know, if I knew about the guard and knew the opportunities that were out there, maybe I would have crossed over a little bit earlier and put on staff a little bit earlier versus serving the whole six years active duty. Mm-hmm. So just know early. Got it. So you said if you would have known about the guard earlier. So you may have mentioned this, but talk a little bit more about how you found out about the guard. I did my own research, actually. I asked around a little bit, but when I was getting ready to transition from active duty to guard, I it was like peak COVID. So there were no no recruiters were sitting down with members and discussing discussing your avenues or um, your routes that you can take. So I, I researched as much as I can, but I, I knew I wanted to come home with my two young kids and have family around to help me. Um, and I knew I needed a change in the promotion system. And um, I wanted to feel like my effort was being recognized. And I heard that this was the way to go. And wow, is that true? Hmm. Since I've gotten here, I mean, they they see everything here in the guard. Like I've been here for how long I've got Amron of the year. I'm here. I'm sitting here with you. They're, they, yeah. <laughs> they're great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you know she said um she um, i'm sitting here with you and she kind of threw her hands up and <laughs> she's like <laughs> <Your> good hands <laughs> the good hands <laughs> oh man outstanding uh, so thank you for that so so your basic um message to younger folks is to have a plan and do your research yeah so um you know uh, or Let's reverse that. Do your research and then develop a plan of the right. research, you right. know, that that you do. So um, but you have to um, you have to open your box. Um, you have to open your boundaries, um, you know, and and be able to be flexible, yeah. uh, you know, um, while you're making your plan or developing your plans. So, outstanding. Good stuff. So uh, you still hanging in there? I'm hanging in there. All right. Good stuff. Um, so. I'm going to ask you this question, and we we talked a little bit about it. Um, and um, to me, it seems to be a old person question <laughs> because every time I ask I ask a young person this question, they always come back with, "Well, I don't have one. I'm too young." But if I ask an old person, they have a long laundry list <laughs> of items that they want to accomplish. So, um, so we, we're talking about bucket lists. <laughs> So I gathered that. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's an old person question, you know, because if someone asked me what's on my bucket list, um, I got a laundry list of things I want to do. But every time I bring this up to a young person, they look at me like, man, you are old. No, I see. I disagree. Honestly, I think young people should have a huge bucket list. You know, like you got the whole world out of you. But as I was saying to you earlier, with my two young kids, my bucket list is really their bucket right now. <laughs> you know, I'm worrying about them. I'm worrying about mm-hmm. making them good people and giving them experiences. They're not going to enjoy going to Cancun, Mexico and sitting on the <laughs> beach drinking a margarita with me. <laughs> Maybe that's part of my bucket list. Um, but right now it's them. Um, but if take them aside, I would love to go to the Iceland hot springs. Oh, have you seen those? I have not. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Huh. Amazing. Just outside anytime you're freezing, but the water's warm because it's on the, oh, I don't want to quote this the wrong way. Um, equator. No. <laughs> that's right. We'll fact check it later. <laughs> Somewhere. <laughs> but that, that is one thing that I've, I've always wanted to do that. So someday. So, so cool. So I have a young person with a bucket list. That's outstanding. <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> All right. Good stuff. Good stuff. 
All right. So we're almost to the end. That went pretty quick. Yeah. So, so closing comments, uh, what closing thoughts or messages uh, would you like to leave with our listeners today? So take this how you want. It can be related to your career, your personal life. Um, it's so simple. And I say it because I don't think I follow it enough either, but life is short and be happy with what you have. I think it's overlooked and it's so easy to be sitting in this moment now and worrying about this, this and that, that, you know, five years from now. But we forget that five years prior, we were wishing for the things we have now. So in this moment, you you have accomplished things and you are where you should be. And it's just important to live in the now and be happy for what you have now. Wow. That's good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and that's a that's a message for me as well. So um, but I greatly appreciate uh, you uh, delivering that message and um, and joining us today. So, Well, teamies, season two, episode two is a wrap. Uh, Hannah, uh, I thank you for the conversation today and your willingness uh, to share your story. Um, I appreciate uh, where you are in your session complete. And look, as always, a shout out to the one on night there, Lip Wing uh, Public Affairs section, especially the person behind the scenes, keeping us organized and on point, Mrs. Jackie Lyons. Thank you very much. Until the next JTL episode, I leave you with a quote from General Colin Powell. Leadership is solving problems. The day soldiers or airmen stop bringing you their problems is the day you have stopped leading them. Amory Streeter, thank you. And please continue to be a voice for our junior enlisted force. Keep leading teammates and always aim high. Chief out. <laughs>